listening to Our Stories, the Australian Army on Operations podcast. This is Task Group Taji 4. I'm Captain Sharon Maskeldare, and today is an important day for the task group as a whole. As you can hear just behind me here, we've heard a traditional haka performed by the New Zealanders who are now fully integrated into the task group alongside the Australians. As you see them here side by side, it's obvious that they're very much a combined force. Task Group Taji-4's mission is to train Iraqi security forces to defeat Daesh as part of an international effort. And that international flavour is very apparent here today. So to find out more about New Zealand's contribution to the mission and also to find out more about today's Haka, I caught up with one of the senior officers in the task group from New Zealand. He's also the chief of staff in the headquarters. The Haka that we just performed is the New Zealand contingent is called Nati 2. Uh, it's an abbreviation of the New Zealand Army Haka and it talks about the ground firstly that the uh, New Zealand soldiers fought on uh, in the times of war, overcoming uh, the odds to succeed. It brings us together as well because the New Zealand contingents made up people from different areas of the NZDF, um, not just Army. But for this land-based mission, we brought them together under the tribe of the New Zealand Army, which is Ngāti Tūmaitoanga, and uh, gave them an opportunity to, to be the, the one organisation and to, to challenge the Australian Defence Force to accept us. It was quite an incredible experience for all of us standing there and, and witnessing the haka, seeing just the sheer energy, display of aggression. For you leading a culturally significant display such as that, what goes through your mind? Uh, it's quite emotional, actually. It's one of those things where you, you don't realise it will uh, impact you the way it does uh, until you're actually involved in the event and you, you feel the strength of the people behind you surging forward. A large part of it is drawing on the strength of your ancestors and that's a large part of the, the married culture is that um, you're far more than just the person that you are standing there. You're a, a culmination of your, your ancestors' strength and pride, and, and the Maori word is mana. That's how you represent yourself, is based on your ancestors and the people who have gone before you. For people not familiar with the haka, what does it signify? Uh, ultimately, it is a challenge. Back when it was first used by the Maori people, it was uh, used as a, a challenge to their enemy and uh, also used as a, an opportunity for that fighting force to basically um, prepare themselves prior to battle. It can be used in, in different ways. Um, I like to, to see it as what it ultimately is supposed to be, which is a challenge. And um, as the All Blacks do prior to a game, it's a challenge to the opposition. And for us today, our spin on it was that it was a challenge to the ADF to accept us. And did they? Oh, absolutely. They accepted us before that but it was a good opportunity to, to signify it. From this day forward, we're an ANZAC force. I went to Iraq in August 
for reconnaissance and I clearly saw there that it's a, an integrated force, just over 100 New Zealanders integrated into a, a force of just over 300 Australians and uh, they truly are an ANZAC force and they, they're working not just beside but completely integrated with the Australians. Why is it so important that Task Group Taji 4 is a combined force, an ANZAC force? I think looking forward that's really where our strength lies as a um, as an Australasian organisation, particularly from the New Zealand Defence Forces perspective. There's only so much that we can do by ourselves and uh, we realise the strengths of combining with um, an organisation such as the ADF. And I really think that there's an opportunity to develop our individuals and I said that to our contingent um, prior to getting here, I said uh, it would be easy for, for me personally to come over here and have a, um, a company plus of New Zealanders to conduct a training role, to, to be the senior national officer and just look after those 100 New Zealanders and look out for their best interests. That would be easy. Um, what's far more difficult is to integrate with another organisation, have another role as a chief of staff, and, and I think professionally that's going to develop us and personally develop us far more um, going forward, uh, not to mention all the ongoing connections that we'll have uh, with our compatriots over the next sort of 15 to 20 years. So how do you achieve that integration, given that it is a combined force, it does draw on Australians and New Zealanders, how do you achieve the integration that's required for a mission such as this? I think a big part of it is mutual respect and realising that everybody brings different strengths to the party. I'd like to think that the New Zealanders bring a specific training ability that perhaps not everybody has. Our people tend to be friendly, humble, able to engage with people from other nations. Because we have such a multicultural background in New Zealand, everyone is, is used to dealing with people from different cultures and able to reduce that potential friction. I think that's one of the strengths that we bring. I also absolutely respect the professionalism of the Australian Defence Force and I think there's a lot of areas there that we can learn from as well. So I think as we come together, we actually appreciate each other's strengths and learn from them and develop ourselves. So how did New Zealand come to be involved in the first place, given that this is an international effort led by the US under Operation Inherent Resolve in terms of training, supporting the Iraqi nation? How did New Zealand come to be part of that effort? That's specifically a request from the Iraqi government. So the threat of ISIS um, has meant that the Iraqi government has appreciated the fact that they need assistance. A specific request came to the New Zealand government and we acted on that. We certainly didn't do so without forethought and a huge amount of reconnaissance and planning was done to ensure that we were putting ourselves in a position where firstly we could keep our troops safe but we could add value and, and train the Iraqis and New Zealand government specifically chose to not enter into a combat role. We have no involvement with uh, combat or, or targeting of any type. It's purely training the Iraqi uh, security forces. I think so far that's been very, very successful. The, the feedback we've had from theatre is that we are adding real value and that many of those skills are being able to be used by the Iraqi security forces day to day and in the fight that's currently going on in Mosul. So you're making a difference? I believe so, and I think that we tend to be very careful with our resources. Um, the New Zealand Defence Force doesn't have uh, a lot of resource to throw around, so we tend to make sure that where we put it, those resources, we are getting best effect. And uh, for, for any reason, we didn't think that we were 
adding value, I think we'd probably reallocate them somewhere else. So I think the fact that the New Zealand government's decided to remain in Iraq is a clear demonstration that we are adding value. What kind of preparation then has gone into you becoming part of Task Group Taji 4 and preparing to deploy to perform this role? Myself and the uh, Regimental Sar Major have been involved in this for probably about five months now. Um, we came over here to Darwin um, back in August and that's when we first started building our headquarters team, uh, the senior leadership, and together we went into Iraq for a uh, reconnaissance for a couple of weeks and that was very, very good, got a good understanding of what exactly was going on there. Uh, we then came back, um, brought the New Zealand contingent together for a period of uh, three weeks of pre-deployment training, which was our first opportunity to, to bring the team together because it's not based on any particular unit within the New Zealand Defence Force. It's, um, some units have contributed more, more than others depending on where they needed to be drawn from but um, bringing those 100 or so people together was our first opportunity to really build a team. Uh, we spent three weeks training, had a couple of weeks off, an opportunity to spend time with families, and then we've concentrated uh, here in Darwin in just the last couple of days. And what kinds of people are part of the New Zealand contingent? You mentioned they come from a range of different backgrounds. What kinds of skills do they bring? We have a really diverse range of skills, and that's done on purpose to ensure that, particularly in the training community, um, there is the opportunity to be able to train the Iraqis in a, in a number of different skills depending on the need at the time. A good example of that would be that up until now a lot of the training has been combat focused. However, we've just recently been informed that the Iraqis are very interested in getting some more medical training and so therefore we'll be switching our focus in some areas um, to medical training and therefore we fall back on the fact that we've got medically trained people both in our training community and in our um, supporting enablers in order to be able to switch to that task. As well as the people who are conducting the training, we've got a number of people who are supporting us from logistics, uh, supply, driving, uh, maintenance and then into things like communications, engineers. The best way I like to sort of explain to people outside of a military environment is that in order for a military to operate overseas they need pretty much everything that you need within a civilian world, they need to replicate that in that um, deployed theatre. And so therefore, anything that you can think of that you need and need on day-to-day, uh, -day, you're probably going to find over there, whether it's a, a chef or a, or a lawyer or someone to uh, repair your vehicle. In terms of your own preparation, what have you had to do to get to this point? Uh, for me, there's a, a number of pre-deployment uh, boxes that I need to tick um, to ensure that I'm um, just as capable as the next person of firing a rifle or uh, moving with a load on. Luckily I was relatively well prepared prior to, to being warned out, which is always good. And so for me, um, my focus from a personal perspective is obviously getting my family in a good state for me to deploy and then um, starting to think about the team, starting to think about what I need to um, prepare in my two roles. Um, first is the Senior National Officer, which means looking after the New Zealanders' interests and reporting back to New Zealand so that they're informed as to what's going on. And then in my role as Chief of Staff, which is a completely different focus, and I suppose the best way to describe my job is to uh, have my fingers in all the pies and to be herding a large range of cats. The end state for me really is ensuring that everybody's pulling in the same direction to achieve best effect.
You mentioned your family. How important has it been for the New Zealand contingent to have the support of their families? Oh, it's a, an absolute game-breaker, and I tried to explain a lot of that to the families before I left the regimental so much. and I travelled around New Zealand to um, three or four locations and spoke to the families in order to give them an understanding of where we were going and what we were doing. A huge part of that was lowering their anxiety levels and giving them an understanding of the real risk as opposed to the perceived risk. And I kept uh, emphasising to them that regardless of how their loved ones might might react, it really matters the, the support that they get. You know, They might have a 19, 20-year-old son who's pretending that he doesn't really care too much, but when he gets that package in the mail or that, or that letter, it has a huge impact on him. I even found that during the reconnaissance. I uh, went over there and there was a large banner on the wall uh, where all the New Zealand families had um, left messages and, and signed this large um, canvas for the New Zealand troops. And I mean, I don't even know these people, but it still brings a tear to your eye just sort of reading some of the messages and, and seeing all their love and support from home. What's your message to them then, to those families, given the fact they're not going to see their, their loved ones for a few months? Oh, I think it's just have faith that um, we've got all the processes in place in order to keep them safe and that uh, six months, seven months goes by pretty quickly. Before you know it, they're, uh, they're back there in, in your world and, if anything, they've probably developed and matured and, and taken some real um, lessons away from their time in Iraq. And why is it so important that we go over and carry out this mission? I think for me it's about protecting our countries because for a long, long time, especially in New Zealand, I don't know about Australia, I think um, you guys probably have a little bit more of a realistic approach to it. I think in New Zealand we, we tend to believe that we're isolated from the rest of the world. Uh, we've got a big natural barrier of the ocean around us. But I think more and more these days globalisation has meant that there are no borders and that us having a, a part in Iraq, I think it, um, it firstly demonstrates that we are interested and, and, and eager to assist because the Iraqi people do need our help. But secondly, I think it's about trying to stamp out a threat that, whether we like to believe it or not, will eventually find its way to our shores. Chief of Staff, Task Group Taji 4, thank you very much. This is Captain Shara Maskeldare reporting. This podcast is produced by the Australian Army and is copyright the Commonwealth of Australia.